If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnVest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel. And this week, I'm excited for you to meet Amit Bendov, co-founder and CEO of Gong, the revenue intelligence platform. Amit founded Gong in 2015 to help the world's best sales teams have better conversations with their customers and win more deals. He has scaled the business to over 2,000 customers and a valuation north of $7 billion. Amit brings more than 20 years of leadership experience in hyper-growth enterprise software startups. Prior to founding Gong, Amit was the CEO of SciSense, a business intelligence software provider in New York. Amit turned the company around, growing recurring revenue 100x in just under three years. Prior to SciSense, Amit held the role of Chief Marketing Officer for Panaya, a provider of cloud software for automating application upgrades. Under his leadership, the company grew from zero to tens of millions of dollars in sales in only four years. And with that incredible background, let's welcome Amit. I'm so excited to talk about Gong and everything that you're building for a number of really clear reasons that I'm excited. But I want to start with just the basics. You know, in 2015, you founded Gong. Tell us what Gong is in your own words. Well, Gong is a, is a AI system that helps customers better manage their customers and their people. Like we call it like unlocking reality. Without Gong, companies don't really know what's happening with their customer-facing people, like in sales and support. And their customers, they rely on information that flows back uh, into the organization. It's like very little and not very good. Gong automatically captures the customer conversations, using natural language understanding to understand what's going on and helps companies with insights that they can improve customer service, sales, and create better employee experience and better customer experience. Okay. So I want you to give us the aha moment. So 2015, you know, you had been at SciSense, you've you've already run businesses before. Give us a sense of what went through your head when you said, oh my goodness, I've got to go build this business. Where where was the origination story from? Well, the moment was really like an oh shoot moment, right? Uh, so I was CEO at Sison. We're like growing very fast, like quarter over quarter. Business was on fire. Everything was good. We're hiring people. We're like winning new customers. And all of a sudden, I'm experiencing this like strange quarter from hell, right? It's like sales are starting to slow down. And I'm asking people like, what's going on? Like, and nobody knows, right? And, and I started asking around. And I got like a hundred opinions, right? Uh, not enough leads, uh, which is easier to measure. But some people say the leads that we get right now don't have a sense of urgency. And uh, uh, that was the sales team, right? The marketing folks were blaming the sales team and say, you hired a bunch of rookies, which was true. We're also like facing competition. We're competing with like Tableau and ClickView to just went public and got a lot of tailwind from the IPO. So we didn't know if they're eating our lunch. And then like it dawned on me that all of the information is just in people's heads. 
it's not, we had a CRM like all companies, right? And we had a bunch of systems, but it's all like 99% never makes its way to the CRM because if I'm having a one hour conversation with the customers, odds are we'll be exchanging something like 6,000 words on average. What ends up in the CRM is 30 words. Like, oh, it was a great meeting. They're very excited. And we're going to talk again next week. And then the customer disappears and you're just scratching your head. So, so it, this does not make sense that companies don't know what's going on. Uh, we can't blame the salespeople or the customer success people because there just isn't enough time in a day to capture everything and enter all the information. So CRM as a model just kind of relies on people updating and that's the problem. So I was asking myself, and I wasn't looking to start a company. I was looking to buy a system isn't there something that kind of automatically captures like everything without anybody having to lift a finger? I couldn't find it. And like uh, one thing led to another. And that's like, that was the Genesis moment. Can you give people a sense of what the product does? Walk us through the customer experience in a bit more detail. What does Gong do? So first thing, when you sign up with Gong, we connect to all of your communication systems, right? Uh, it could be uh, your email, your calendar, your Zoom or Microsoft Teams, telephony systems like contracts or anything that touches the customer. And that, that's all pre-integrated. And obviously with your CRM as well, right? Whatever using Dynamics, Salesforce, HubSpot, these are already pre-integrated. You just click and Gong connects. Once you do that, Gong starts to ingest all the information, like all customer emails, communication, CRM data, um, Zoom video calls, uh, phone calls, the audio files, and uses natural language understanding to extract the information from there. Like if it's a video call or an audio call, it'll be transcribed. And then like which topics were discussed at what point, what questions, what action items. If this is an email, it will be automatically labeled as uh, maybe like uh, pricing objections or scheduling request or all of these things. And then this raw process data is delivered in, in a number of applications. One of them is coaching, right? It allows to increase salesperson's productivity. It'll tell you, oh, you need to be asking more questions or talk about this or talk about that. The second is deal execution that shows you all of your pipeline or deals, which one are progressing, right? And which one are not, which one are stuck? What are the issues uh, who you're talking to? So Gong automatically recognize that, let's say you're working with a deal with the Bank of America, and but the activity level is low and you're not talking to the right people, right? So it'll flag so you could start putting it back on track. And now we're coming with a forecasting application that actually allows you to predict which customers are likely to close and which ones are not. So these are the key uh, value areas. All is a software as a service. So there's nothing to install. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to configure. Again, it's, a, it's an autonomous system, right? So you just turn it on, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh my God, I'm like, I wish I had a company to buy it for right now. <laughs> I mean, you just sold it to me without even trying. Can we walk back through the, that early um, customer development, building the machine? Um, what did that look like? And just give us a sense of like, if you had to describe it in a few chapters, you know, you turn on your first customer, what did you learn that wasn't working, that was working? How did you develop 
it to actually become a fully autonomous machine that you just turn on? It took us like a few months to just kind of de-release. First, like the problem was that, you know, we're kind of ignorant about our customers. So we were getting opinions and we wanted to know like what's real and what's not, right? So that was like the fix. And then I started asking people around. So when some of my older customers asked him like, we're thinking about building something like that. Would you buy? And a lot of people said, yeah, like, uh, can I have it tomorrow? Right. We didn't have anything. We just had like a, maybe like a duct tape demo. Right. So that was good validation. And then we actually had like a first, I wouldn't even call it like an alpha, like a prototype of the system in January, 2016. And we weren't planning on selling anything that year. We just wanted to have a few customers so we could start getting the data, train the AI models. And uh, that was the plan. I still remember like we didn't commit to any revenue numbers. We, we just raised enough money so we didn't need the money. And um, we understood the persona of our users. Our users were largely salespeople, right? And they don't love spending time on technology. So we knew that the, the key would be that there is no change required, no change in behavior. Like I remember like my previous company, I was at Sysense. One of the first thing I did was we're still taking orders with faxes, right? And I try to get people to move to DocuSign for e-signature, right? I mean, it's a smarter thing to do, but I couldn't believe the kind of objection that I got, right? And I, I literally had to tie it to commission to get people to use DocuSign, which is like an easier, better product. But people didn't like the change. So... The thought process was, can we get people to, can we get the system just work without anybody having to do literally anything? We're toying with the ideas like early on, should we train people on markers like, you know, like, uh, hey, gong, it's action item, similar to Alexa or Siri. The thought was, no, like if we do that, that's something that you need to train. And when you, there's something that you need to train people on, like a lot of them aren't just, aren't going to do it. So we said like, absolutely nothing. And so that was the thinking. We knew we had like a, a, a tough audience, right? I mean, I love that audience, but I mean, they don't love messing with technology. They don't like to change or just want to focus on their goals, understandably. So we literally, as a design guide was like, you know, there's nothing that you need to do. You just turn it on and, and it works. So that was like the, uh, the goal. Uh, and we, we put the system, we got uh, a 12 friends and family companies that kind of did us a favor and agreed to test the software uh, for free. Uh, even that wasn't easy to get people to try. After a couple of months, something very interesting happened. We started to get complaints from users. Oh, Gong didn't uh, catch that call. It was like five minutes late to that call. And the engineers were getting nervous about the bugs. They said, no, this is actually like very good because you know, what's worse than people complaining? It's users not complaining, right? If people don't complain, it means that they don't care. When people complain, it means that they care. So it's, that's interesting. They, obviously, they see value, right? We didn't think that the system is valuable, but those support tickets, I was fielding the tickets at the time, and it, it was like emails. They're like, very good. We So we fixed a few things. We tweaked. And then we saw the logs. People were like more engaged with systems that are logging in. And then we saw that the usage was actually like pretty good. So around April, I was looking at my partner, Elon, and said like, you know what? Let's do like a trial close, which is a technique in sales. You, you know, if you don't know where you are, right? You just go and ask for the order and it either you get a yes, which is good, or you get a no, but at least you know where you stand, right? So we reached out to everybody and 
they're like friendly companies. And so like, well, sorry, everybody, the beta is over. It's time to pay. And we just wanted to, we weren't looking for the money, right? We just wanted to see, we're curious what's going to happen. We even thought about the price, right? Should we ask like for, you know, something like small or large? And we, we chose the middle, right? Because it, like, it was like a 10 bucks. This wouldn't tell us anything, right? If it's a million, it also wouldn't tell us because everybody would say no. So we came back with like, you know, $50,000, right? And which is non-trivial companies. We wanted to be like a little painful, right? And we were ready to get a no, but the, what we really wanted to get the learning, what are we missing to get to a yes? Interestingly, like 11 out of 12 said yes. Wow. Yeah. So that was like beyond our expectation. We obviously nailed like the product market fit, like in spot one. And I, I attributed because like you said, we're scratching an itch that we had. We didn't come like, okay, like here's like an AI technology. What can we do with it? We're just coming from the problem of not knowing the reality of our customers. And it's like, what can AI do to help us solve it? And we kind of nailed the persona and all of that. So we're very excited to see that we get a yes. And then we knew, okay, you know, we're now it's time to charge ahead. And we'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on For Starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suite helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. One of my favorite things uh, about your product is that actually always your own sales team has used Gong for sales. So you have this like very meta constant feedback loop internally for the company, and you still have it today. You're active users of your own product, which just makes it really a powerful feedback loop. Tell us a little bit more about those insights. And again, 11 of 12 out of the gate is really impressive. When did you begin to realize that you were really cooking with gas? Uh, it, it's still happening, like just with more gas, like every day. There's still like new things that we're, we're learning. I'm, I'm knocking on wood here. But that was like phase one. It says, okay, that's good. Then we said, okay, we didn't have like any prospects for a new, we had those 11 customers, we had the deals and then we had to start from scratch generating. So the first milestone is, you know, sell to a total stranger, right? Companies that don't know us, right? Because these are like friendly companies. Again, it's not that they just write checks, but still we have some credibility with them. Uh, so the first was like, we sold to a total stranger. We really benefit from a product early on because like, Today, we're selling mostly to sales leaders like CRO, chief sales officer, sell high. But initially, these are people that are very hard to get. So our lead generation focus was more, more like operations people, sales operations that are easier to get a hold of, but they're very difficult to sell. So we heard like, uh, like it was a pretty constant, uh, this is really cool technology, but it's expensive. And I'm working now on like two or three other projects, called me in like six months. And when the 40th person tells you the same thing, 
you understand, okay, we're probably like barking out a wrong tree. We change our buyer to the CRO is a little harder to get to, but easier to sell once they see. And that, that was a breakthrough. And, and if we didn't have gone back then, we'd probably spend like a lot more time. We're probably like blame the salespeople for being incompetent, right? But we knew as a team, like my co-founder and I and engineers, we're just seeing the same thing. We're seeing like, listen, everybody's saying the same thing, right? They couldn't all be right. Right. So we're, we changed the buyer. We use it like every day to understand, like, you know, there was one point where a competitor who was like, I mean, they were struggling to compete with us. So just, okay, we're going to give it for free and uh, a, a bundled with some other applications. Right. And as a leadership team, we took it seriously. Now, what if like everybody now is like, uh, uh, start getting that free offer. Right. And we analyzed like where it will apply. And because of Gong, we knew. It will apply, but if we like lower our prices or give it for free, then you know nobody wins. Like it's it, you know we wouldn't have a company, right? So we knew this strategic, and it was like a tough decision. But Gong showed us that you know they show up in maybe like six percent of the deals, right? So said you know what, that's fine. Like we we're willing to risk like six percent of the business and have like a viable like greater story. So that's like when we we use it based on facts. Without Gong, like we would never be able to make that kind of like informed decision. Most companies just sometimes like shoot from the heap or use their gut feeling or opinions or what worked at the other companies and all the story, which is totally irrelevant, right? You just need to look at the facts. And that was mind blowing. COVID had a wild impact on your business. You saw revenue triple in the first half of 2020. In your own words, what made Gong so powerful in a virtual world? What was happening then? First, you know, we're, we're scared like everybody, like in the early days. So like the first, like, you know, I remember somewhere like February and March are pretty, uh, pretty gloomy. A lot of customers were hurting. So these were not fun days, but we kind of knew that we we're going to be okay. What happens, right? Uh, when you're in an office, right? There is a lot of learning through osmosis, right? If, you, if I'm managing a team of eight, first, like I see them, like I hear them, like they were in the same bullpen. We're like having coffee together. So there, a lot of that is happening, right? And I also, if I'm new to the company, I'm learning a lot from my peers. All of that was just like gone, like overnight, like everybody's scattered, right? Wow. It's how do you onboard people that have never met anyone, you know, you're talking to them like maybe like half an hour to an hour a day over a Zoom, right? But that's it. There's no osmosis. There is no interaction. There's not none of that, right? You, they're stuck somewhere. It's very stressful to people. So that's all like for the teams themselves, managing distributed team is one. And second, the customers went remote. So a lot of companies were just, you know, used to sell in person, go on like uh, wine and dine customers and taking the golf and whatever, that wasn't possible anymore. So all these trends like remote work and remote selling and digital were like uh, accelerated overnight. And uh, it's, it's pretty much here to stay, right? Remote work isn't going away, right? Where like people, you know, some of them, we had like everybody literally in San Francisco had gone or the Bay Area and now, you know, at least 30% have left like forever. There were people in Hawaii, we have people in Vermont, we have people in Nebraska, we have people in Austin, right? So, uh, and we're not going back to the office. So keeping everybody, the teams together and connecting with the customers, uh, you know, digital is the way to go forward. Speaking of going forward, I want to talk a little bit about the future. Um, you have this just 
very, very unique point of view because you have built AI for the CRM. In fact, you have this quote I really love where you said, AI can do for the CRM uh, what AI is doing for the automotive industry with autonomous vehicles, which is literally self-driving CRM. If you're going to give me your like kind of wild ideas 10 years out, just give me a sense of like, what could the future of sales look like in a decade? Yeah, for a decade will look like beyond beyond sales. So I think you know if you think that the vision for cars is like full self driving, that's what we can do. Now we're not the, the people aren't going away, but you take all the stuff that they hate, right? Who loves like entering data or updating their managers or chasing customers? All of that that shouldn't be happening. So AI can take all that away, and then like salespeople can just do the stuff that they love, right? Interacting with other people, helping them solve problems, and and uh, and succeed in their profession. But the applications are way beyond um, sales. Uh, you know, we view Gong as, as generational software. The, the first generation was client server, right? The application like, you know, Siebel's and Clarify. And then like second generation is cloud, right? No software, which made life easier for IT, right? There is no servers. There's nothing to install and upgrade. But from the user perspective, it's kind of the same, maybe even like not as good as the old software. This is like no sweat, right? It's using AI to take people from the chores that they hate. The software just works. And their application like well beyond sales. Already like 30% of our users aren't salespeople. And even though the product wasn't geared to do anything else, people use it for support. They use it for talent acquisition, for job interviews. Huge time saver, much better employee experience. We have people using Gong for managing internal projects, for uh, HR, for legal discovery, lots of applications. So I think the whole generation of autonomous application is the way of the future. Uh, the traditional applications, cloud, are, are still there. They're not going away, but nobody's going to want to go back to manual updating of applications that just so my leaders know what's going on. Uh, there is a much better way. So. I think that we have an opportunity to create one of the largest companies like ever. What's maybe one or two things that's very obvious to you, just given how much, you have so much more visibility than anyone that's listening. Give us maybe one or two things that you just predict or that seems very clear that it will happen. And I, I think I'm getting some like fibers of what's in your head, but give us one or two predictions you have about the future. There, there are lots. So when, when you have like game-changing technology, pretty much everything changes. First, the whole model of like opportunities, stages is built around like humans, right? It's like, uh, oh, I'm going to update to like stage one, stage two, I'm going to create an opportunity, you know, but this is not like a, like a law of nature because like Opportunities today, like in the, they're more complex. They're just like human interaction. There are phases. There are now. So AI can actually like detect that there's something going on, like an interesting project or initiatives, without anybody having to update stages or putting probabilities or amount. Right? If you could understand, think about it like hypothetically. If you can understand like everything that's being said between a bunch of people, you know everything that's going on. So that there is a future where the whole data becomes like less structured and rigid and more flexible and more reflective of the reality. That's like a, a Elon, my co-founder and I, we, we're always talking the idea of going stageless, right? There, there will be no more stages. You know, it's all, it's not binary, it's not discrete, it's just this continuum. The other thing is that 
I think that's a shorter term thing. I think that the the whole prospecting thing is a, is a terrible experience for most of us. I get like 20 emails like every day for people trying to sell me something, which is not, this is not the problem. This is good. The problem is that they're just poor. They're lame. Like it's like quick question. Are you the right place? And we have this thing managing, we have developers in Ukraine or it's like, don't you people like read the internet or something? There is, so we give people like, uh, like tools to kind of carpet bomb at least, right? And they're, and they're just sending like poor emails to like thousands of people. And there is a better way. It's just, you know, people, I don't mind getting emails if they're good, right? So give me like good content, educate me, make it personal, relevant, right? And I think AI can help there in a way like much better. The, those tools are overused. And I think what's happening is like overfishing in the oceans, right? It's like people are becoming deaf and annoyed by this experience. So I think that's, there is a new way that is like way better. I want to transition a little bit to you. You've said a few times that you've learned more from your successes than you have from failures, which is a little contrarian. And so I like it. Can you give me a sense of what you've learned from a really great success that you felt was really important that you learned? Yeah, I call it like failure is overrated. I think there's a culture of like uh, celebrating, I failed, I did this, and, and which is, it's not wrong, but you know, it's not necessarily like a good thing. And it's not, it's not actually <laughs> my that. success. You. <laughs> I interviewed probably like well over a thousand people at estimate over the time. And one of the things that I do, right, I ask them like, tell me about the company that you worked in, right? And, and I hear the stories, right? Like what worked well, what didn't work well, especially the, the, the good companies. And if you speak with enough people, let's say at, uh, you know, Zendesk, I'm making stuff up, right? You, at some point you form an opinion, like what worked for that companies, right? And, and that's where I learned more about success because obviously it's harder to succeed than to fail, right? If you look at the solution space, there, there are only like so many passes lead to a success and there are infinite number of like passes that would lead to a failure. You technically learn more from what worked than what didn't work. It's not that I don't hire people that failed. I mean, it's, I definitely do. But if I see someone that works like at three different companies and successful in all of them, that's more telling. It's an easier decision than someone who didn't. So I always try to learn from the companies that, uh, that succeed. For example, right now we're expanding to multiple products, right? So we interviewed like a bunch of companies that we appreciated. They did well, like at, a, you know, at, at HubSpot and, and Atlassian and, and other companies that, and we asked them like, what worked, right? That's the uh, service now, right? So that's what we do. And we try to learn from the companies that succeeded. There's nothing wrong with failing, but it's not something that I would necessarily brag about. I love it. Um, okay, quick fire round. Uh, I want to make sure I'm going to run through. Tell me the first thing that comes to your head. Favorite book that you've come back to time and time again? Differentiate or Die. I think it's a pretty good uh, pretty good business book that uh, everybody should read. I like it a lot. Um, number two, biggest pinch me moment to date. A moment that happened at Gong where you said to yourself, oh my God, I can't believe we accomplished that. Yeah, I was on a call with the customers who, uh, like a, a big pharma company, and they explained to us how we could go in like a old stormy direction. I'd even think about it. it. Says, "Oh wow, this is pretty cool! Like uh, amazing! Just show us new possibilities." Fast forward two years, how many days a week will people go into an office? I guess um, anywhere between like zero. So we allow like zero to probably like two to three. Right. So there is a range. It says some people are going to go like five days, some zero and some most, I would guess like two to three. 
well, uh, everyone says two to three. I just am always sort of taken by how clear. Um, okay. Last question here is what is your favorite interview question that you like to ask people? It gives you a sense of who somebody is. So, uh, Alexa, who was your manager at your last company? I didn't have one. <laughs> I was the CEO. But yes, I hear you. Keep going. So if I were to ask her, like, tell me about Alexa, like, what would you say? Uh, that she's very energetic and super hardworking and, yes, strives for excellence and can be a pain in the ass. <laughs> it gives people pause and you, you kind of look at it and it, it forces them to think about like how, what, what do people think about it? It's money is, it, you know, it's not, it's not an easy uh, uh, question to answer. I like, it. like when you get it, like, yeah, I get it. And you also get a really clear sense of the, the negative feedback as well. First of all, I mean, this has been amazing. I wish I had a lot more time with you. Thank you just genuinely for joining us today. Everybody out there, if you want to learn more or get Gong for your companies, go and check out gong.io. And you can join us next week for Ink the Founders Project with Alex Von Tobel. And let's hear it for me building an incredible, thriving business that really in so many ways is just an inning one, which is so exciting. Thank you so much, me. Thank you, Alexa. It's my pleasure.